check, check. Hey, everybody, good morning. If you're hanging out in the lobby, I'm going to invite you to come on in. If you're watching online, time to head from the kitchen to the couch, get your coffee. We're going to get the service started. I am just going to stall for a moment while I wait for my co-host to come up here and join me. But we are going to, yeah, we've got really fun service in store. So, hey, uh, if you can hear me out there, are we on in the lobby? Come find a seat. We've got lots of good seats up at the front here, too, around this lovely fire from our Christmas Eve service. It's not a real fire, but it does provide some warmth. We doing all right? It's getting quieter in here. It was louder out there. Is this intimidating in here? All right, so I'm just going to ask it from everybody. Good morning, everybody. Oh, there we go. Good. You're alive. You're out there. You can hear me. Perfect. Well, okay. Hey, so my name is Grant, one of the pastors here at the church. Super excited to get the service started for you. Uh, I'll be joined here in uh, just a moment by Amanda is going to just help welcome us and let you know some of the stuff going on around here. But uh, if this is your first time here, special welcome to you. We're really glad you're here. And what we would like to just let you know is we want to get to know you better. And sometimes it's a little bit difficult to do. Like there's a lot of faces here, a lot of great people. Uh, it's, it's so easy to just get caught up and lost in talking with people that we know all the time. But help us out. Let us know if this is your first time here. Find somebody wearing a lanyard like this. Or if you're joining us online, send us a comment or email or message, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, send us an email, hello at cedarvalley.com. Uh, we would just love to get to know you better. We'll get somebody from our leadership team, one of our pastors, to just uh, get in touch with you. Uh, yeah, take you out for coffee, whatever it is. And uh, here we go. Hey, this is Amanda. We're going to get started. Sorry, I uh, was late getting started here, so I apologize for that. Yeah. Um, we're so thankful that you're here, and we just want to give you an opportunity um, to give uh, to support the ongoing work and ministry here at Cedar Valley. Um, we can do this with giving in time prayer, service, and financial generosity. Yeah, generosity. I like to use that word as a core value for what we want to be as a church. We actually had a really fun opportunity recently where uh, it was Christmas time, right? So lots of thank you gifts. We have a lot, an amazing volunteer team that helps make all of our stuff happen, whether it's kids programs, we have the music program, lots of tech stuff. It's helping us get online. And so there's, you know, some thank you gifts that went out and a lot of people are like, oh man, is this out of your pocket or whatnot? We said, well, actually, no, our church believes in generosity and being thankful. And we love to thank people and bless them for the amazing stuff they do. We have great people pouring in constantly, whether it's clearing parking lot space, extra space, because Griner Park, I don't know if you've seen during these last couple of weeks when it's snowing out there and there's hundreds of people on the hill. And so actually part of like a ministry we're doing just is simply making sure the parking lot is safe and clear, even for people to just park and hang out at the hill. A lot of fun stuff. It's really good. Yeah, I love that our church is so close to the park. Lots of ways to connect. Um, we're going to get the service started here um, pretty soon. We're going to have a time of worship in music. There will be lyrics on the screen. And we invite you to join in whatever way you do feel comfortable. After that, we have a special lesson just for the kids. So if you're joining us online, we have a video uh, that we're going to be presenting here for everybody. It's just a teaser of what's going on here in person. If you're here in person, uh, parents, make sure your kids are signed in. You'll get a name tag. Uh, and if you haven't gone through that before, just again, find somebody wearing a lanyard. We'll help you get signed in. We just want to make sure that your kids are safe, that they're taken care of well. Partway through the service, we'll be dismissing them. You're actually going to head out with me and another teacher, and we're going to head downstairs. We've got a special lesson just for you. Yes, and then after that, we have a message um, from Pastor Doug, and he's going to share um, some wisdom with us about moving forward um, into this new and difficult and uncertain time that we, we are living in, um, focusing on our faith as the center. 
And we'd really like for you guys to stick around after this service because we do want to spend some time in prayer um, and encouragement thanking Doug and Jenny for um, all of their years of service. We just appreciate them so, so much. So stick around after the service. Absolutely. And we're just going to get this uh, service started off with a time of prayer. So join me in that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God, it's sun is shining. It's been icy out there, so I just pray safety that everyone who is still coming out to the church, that the parking lots are safe, uh, stairs are safe, God, that there's no slips, no falls. Uh, but we do thank you for this season. It's, it's, it's nice, God. As much as the snow and the cold is difficult, it forces us to come a bit closer, uh, focus on each other, and become personal again, especially after a season where we felt so, we've, we've been what almost feels like forced God apart, and we crave relationships. We're relational people. And so whether it's just from the seasons or the guiding of your spirit, God, or just your own love and compassion in our lives, I just pray that you continue giving us that push and urge to reconnect and rekindle and regrow relationships with each other in a real physical and social way, God, that we can just be present and building up those friendships and family connections. God, we just thank you for the service. We pray that you bless this service uh, as uh, you have a message you've given to Pastor Doug, that you give us ears to hear the truth that you're going to speak through him. God, for what has been given up financially to this church uh, generously, that you bless it and multiply it and give us a clear vision of how to impact this community of mission. God, how to impact the world in our global partnerships and how we can just not just sustain God, but help thrive and bring your good news, your gospel into this place, the mission that you have charged us with. So God, I just pray that you, you bless this time and give us a memorable, real, impactful way to walk forward from this building uh, to just take our faith with us into the rest of this week. 167 hours outside of just this one hour this morning, God. So pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, worship team. Good morning, Cedar Valley. So nice to see everyone out here with the sun. Like, what? The sun? It's actually shining. Um, so welcome here. We just want to encourage you to join us in um, worshiping our Lord in whatever way that is um, <clears throat> comfortable for you. Um, if you're able to stand or want to stand, we'd love to have you join us that way. Um, but again, just join with us however you want to um, just focus your heart on the Lord this morning.
addictions Come lay them down at the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting
to you, Lord, and just pray a special prayer of blessing on Pastor Doug as he um, just brings the things that you have filled his heart with to share, Lord. In your name, amen. Thank you, worship team, for that. And what that was is a time of just celebrating and proclaiming loudly in song who we believe God is, how he impacts us, how amazing we think he is. That's what this time of worship is. It's not just karaoke. It's words directly from the Bible, words from experience, words from testimony that we use to just celebrate who God is in our lives and the way he interacts with us. So thanks for joining us in that. Uh, kids, we are going to get you, if you're uh, up for it, if you're checked in, parents, if you have them signed in, you can head to the back corner there now. You're going to meet your teachers. We're going to head downstairs for a special service just for you. And if you're staying up here or if you're joining us online, we have a video that's a bit of a teaser for the topic. We're talking about self-control. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, self-control didn't stop when I was, like, or issues of self-control didn't stop when I was like 11 or 12. Uh, it's a pretty ageless kind of thing, right? Can you all relate to needing some pointers on self-control? Yeah, so we're, we're all going to do is just watch a Bible story as the kids who are engaging online with their families, they get to enjoy that as well. So we're going to play that while we head down. So kids, make sure you signed in, head to the back, and we're going to see you after the service. The Bible, it's 66 books of history, stories, letters, and poetry that fit together to form God's one big story. The epic adventure of how he created us and loves us so much that he made a way to rescue us. As we travel through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we discover people who met God and found their lives changed forever. Now, for an amazing story, Inspired by the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 28. Theo Brickman knew he had the perfect name. He had been building brick creations ever since he could wrap his chubby baby hand around a mega brick. Brick! As Theo grew older, he moved on to brick building kits, but soon his imagination raced ahead of any building kit or building instruction set you could ever buy. I want to build Jupiter. All of Narnia, a ginormous flying pizza. Theo even got a job at a brick building store so he could spend his days surrounded by bricks. So he was overjoyed when he found out that a brick building TV show called Brick Bosses was gonna be holding auditions in his town. I'll get on the show for sure. On the day of auditions, several dozen other people showed up along with Theo. He jostled up to the front for a good spot. <laughs> I bet not one of them can beat me. A tiny lady with iron-gray hair eyed him sharply as she addressed the competitors. I am Althea Legoemi, and I shall be judging you on originality, technical skills, and overall conduct. There is a break room if you need a snack or rest, but no food may be eaten here in the brick room. You have four hours to build anything you can imagine. Begin! Theo raced to the side of the room where racks and bins holding every kind of brick stood. Hey, you stepped on my foot. <laughs> you snooze, you lose. Theo shoveled bricks into his bin. I'll build a castle, one with turrets and towers and a wonderful moat filled with shiny brick water. Theo got right to work. Soon, the walls of his fortress 
began to rise. He designed decorative windows and lofty balconies. Ooh, I should build a dragon to attack my castle. As Theo snapped red and gold bricks together to form his dragon, another competitor looked over. <laughs> Is that supposed to be a horse? Can't you see I'm not done with it yet, you, you, you blockhead? As time ticked on, Theo realized he was hungry, so he decided to take a quick snack break. Just one minute. But in the break room, he discovered his favorite treat of all time. <gasps> Dill pickle and pizza potato chips. Theo downed one whole bag. <laughs> he desperately wanted another, but the clock was running down. I'll just sneak this back into the brick room with me. Theo finished his dragon between stuffing pizza chips in his mouth. He tried to hide the bag, but when he looked up, he noticed Althea spotting a trail of chip crumbs that he left behind. <laughs> she probably doesn't know that was me. With just a half hour to go, Theo's castle and dragon were nearly complete. I need a wall around the moat. Yeah, with a really cool pattern. So Theo began snapping together an elaborate wall. But the wall simply would not behave. Gotta treat this piece apart. Pry as he might, Theo could not separate two small plates. Frustrated, Theo hurled the locked pieces across the room. They narrowly missed the head of Althea Lagoame, who was examining another competitor's project. She turned her head sharply to look in his direction. I don't think she saw it was me. As the final minutes ticked away, Theo fumbled to finish his wall. Time is up. Wheel your creations up to the judging stand. Theo glanced around as he wheeled his work table up to the front. <laughs> Mine's the best! But as Theo slid his table into position, it bumped over a crack in the floor. A big section of his perfect wall tilted and then crashed down. No! It was too late. Time was up, so Theo was not allowed to repair the wall. No fair! Theo sulked all the way through judging. When the names of the winners were announced, Theo's was not among them. What a waste of time. Theo stormed up to Althea. So, it was my castle wall, right? If that hadn't fallen, I would have won? It wasn't the castle wall, actually. It was your wall. What? Part of your score was conduct. How you acted and followed the guidelines and treated others throughout the audition. But I built the best creation. You do an excellent job of building without instructions but it's pretty hard to go through life without instructions. My favorite guide for life is the book of Proverbs. You mean in the Bible? Exactly. Proverbs 25, 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city whose walls are broken through. Oh. If your own wall was in good shape, I think you would have won today and caused a lot less trouble for yourself and the people around you. But that's not, <sighs> what if I do? Work on my self-control wall, I mean. Then you should definitely audition again next season. I think you'll have an excellent chance. Um, thank you. 
I think. Theo was deeply disappointed not to be chosen for this show, but as he was waiting for the bus to take him home, he downloaded a Bible app and tapped his way to Proverbs. Yep, maybe it was time for some life-building instructions. That's such good stuff. The kids are getting just awesome lessons downstairs um, on ways on how to live in a world that is different than what God wants us to live. And it's just so good what's happening with our kids downstairs. You know, can we just forget for a little while here this morning that this is my last Sunday as your pastor? I want us to hear from God, what he has to say to us from his word. And we also want to pray. This week, a lot has happened in the life of Cedar Valley. Um, Please be in prayer for Harry Huber as he's currently in Abbotsford Hospital. Um, They're they're working, adjusting medication in his confusion and this state. It's been a very difficult week. And pray for Michelle and her family as well um, as they try to deal with this. Um, Also, uh, Mary Hinchcliffe, her husband, Alan, um, his leg got broken quite severely um, this week at work, and so pray for him. He'll be off for quite a while. And also, let's praise God for Madeline Wills, just a little girl, just a sweetheart. Um, She had been struggling with kidney stones. Never heard of a little child um, having that condition, Um, but they've been in and out of Children's Hospital, and... um, Things have gone well. You may have saw her running around here a little bit already this morning, but praise God that he continues to work um, in her life as well. And there's a little bit of follow-up and treatments yet for her to come. So be in prayer for her as well. That was extremely painful um, for her um, in her life. Our God, we thank you this morning for your grace. And as we learn, even day by day, moment by moment, what it means to be a child of God. That you are ours and we are yours. It's quite incredible to to consider that concept is so huge. That the God of the universe would, would care so supremely for each of us and our families and our churches and our community and our world. God, right now it's a troubling place. And yet we, we trust that as we are faithful, our hope is in your faithfulness to us. God, continue to be with with Harry in the hospital and with the physicians guide them as, as they determine the best course of action. God, that just would stabilize himself and even God, just, just calm his mind. And, and be that presence, that peace that he knows. 
God, we pray for, for strength and healing for Alan. God, that even as he rests and recuperates at home, God, again, that um, you would be on his mind. And God, this would be an opportunity for him to, to feel your presence in his life. May the healing go well. He can return to work. God, thank you for your hand of healing upon Madeline. And even this past few weeks, it's, she's endured such pain. We want to thank you, physicians, as well, as they've worked with her and you've guided and directed them and, and you are bringing healing to her life. Thank you for the, the testimony this is to, to the wonder of who you are. We thank you for that. God, thank you for your word. And this morning, may we discover again the truth, the life found within. God, that also lives within us as we give ourselves to you. Amen. You know, sometimes a really small thing can make a big difference. And I don't know if you can see this here. Most of you probably can't. Maybe if you're sitting in the front row or if the camera's zoomed in and you're watching online here. It's, uh, it's called a split pin. It's about three centimeters long. Um, think... Uh, a bobby pin or a hairpin. On June the 5th, 2005, the absence of this small little, not this one, but one like it, the absence of a small split pin made a big difference. See, just before 10.30 a.m., the Queen of Oak Bay a 7,000-ton BC ferry filled with vehicles and 544 passengers was just about to arrive at the Horseshoe Bay Terminal on its way from Nanaimo. But all of a sudden, it was unable to stop. It was out of control as it approached the terminal in Horseshoe Bay, and it veered off to the right, it crashed through 28 pleasure boats, splintering docks and wharves, and eventually ground itself to a halt on the seabed floor up against the beach. The lack of this small three-centimeter split pin led to the disconnection of a speed governor from the fuel rack system in the first main engine effectively causing it to fail. And because of the, the design of the fail-safe system back then, we've been told they've been changed and upgraded since, it caused the fail of the second engine. And because there are no brakes on a ferry, when the engines stop working, unfortunately, the brakes are what are 
in front of the ferry, as were the boats and the docks and, and the seashore. Everything was going fine, but that little split pin wasn't where it should have been. You know, in our life, there's a small three-letter word that can make a huge difference. For instance, there's an example, a story in the Bible from 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. And it says, But Naaman... Now, Naaman, he was the captain of the army, of the Arameans. And he was strong, and he was valiant, and he was proud. And the king dispatched him whenever something serious or important needed to be done in regards to the safety of their country. But Naaman had leprosy. A horrible, nasty disease. People would run. They would look at you and murmur under your, their breath. They would stay away from you and you were isolated for, well, until you died. For all that Naaman had going for him, he had leprosy. You know, it's not uncommon for us in our lives to have some really great things going in our life. And then you insert just that tiny little word. What is your but Naaman moment? Most of us have had them. Maybe we still live with them. Or maybe you haven't experienced yours yet. But what would we say, oh, that's my name and moment. Fortunately for us, fortunately for those who God has created and who God loves, it doesn't end there. That isn't the end of our story. In the Bible, we find a number of times two small words, six letters, put together that change everything. Literally, quite changes the world, changes our life. And those two words are but God. The phrase is short, but it has incredible implications. They're huge. This phrase, but God, it introduces the gracious compassionate, all-powerful intervention of God. It makes, quite literally, the impossible possible. In only the way that, that God can. You know, I went through the Bible, and there are an amazing amount of but God phrases in the Bible. 
And so I jotted down a whole bunch of them. And I want us to look. Well, we'll keep our mind around the one theme, the one point, but God, and quickly allow the Scripture to reveal the riches of what that means to you and me. Matthew 19.26. So Jesus looked at them. Humanly speaking, this is impossible. What was he talking about? Well, he had just had this interaction with a young man who happened to be, like, really, really wealthy. And wealth was his priority in life. He was good at making money. He's good at spending money. But not so good at giving it away. And Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a person who is consumed with making money to get into the kingdom of heaven. And those around him said, well, well, how is this even possible? And Jesus goes, humanly speaking, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. See, with God a part of our picture, everything changes. The impossible becomes possible. See, when a part of your world, when a part of our world, our life, is about to drastically change, but God. It brings the image of a hero who shows up just in time. Remember in Karate Kid? Remember that movie? Long time ago? And Daniel is just getting kicked by those Cobra, Cobra Kai bully karate guys. And just at the right moment, Mr. Miyagi jumps over the chain link fence and teaches the boys a lesson and grabs Daniel and carries him home. We get that image when we, when we read this phrase, but God, the hero has arrived. Things will be different. Bart Millard of Mercy Me says in one of their songs, and like a hero who takes the stage, when we're all on the edge of our seat, saying, it's too late. Well, now, let me introduce you to grace. God's grace, which propels him, which motivates him to work on our behalf. Filling scripture and our lives with these incredible, but God moments. Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. But God remembered Noah. Now if we go way, way back, the world turned its back on God. God said, Noah, I'm going to care for you and your family, the animals, get them in the ark, build an ark, and I'll take care of you. And then the rains came. 150 days, they've been floating adrift at sea, stuck in this boat. 
And this is where God says, but God remembered Noah. See, what God starts, he will always finish. Even if it seems like for us it's taking forever. Do you know that after this is recorded, but God remembered Noah? He was still stuck on that boat for another 220 days. For over a year, they were living in that circumstance, wondering when they would get out, when the sea would dry, when the mountains would appear, when they could walk on that lush green grass they were now seeing as the water receded. God will remember you. He remembers us. Genesis 39, 21 says, but God was with Joseph. I don't know if you remember Joseph. Joseph was kind of a, a cocky young guy. He, got, he was the favorite of his family. His dad loved him. Not like he didn't love his other sons, but he really loved Joseph. Gave him special things. He was hated by his brothers. So much so that they wanted to kill him. But instead of killing him, they threw him in a pit, sold him as a slave, and we, bye-bye, sucker. We'll never see you again. He ends up in Egypt, and we read, but God was with Joseph. It didn't change his situation right away. He worked hard, and what does he get for working really, really hard for his master? He gets accused of sexual harassment. It's false. He gets thrown in jail. And we read again, but God was with Joseph. And sometimes we think that, well, if God is with me, why don't things change right away? Well, they just don't. And I think we begin to learn, we begin to see that God's timing is not always our timing. And he calls for patience. He calls for trust. He calls for continued hope in him. And then years later, he is elevated to second in command of the entire country of Egypt. And his brothers, who were sure they had rid of him for life, do see him again. But they don't know it. And they show up in Egypt because there's a famine, hoping for some grain that Joseph has stockpiled for not just their nation, but really the surrounding world. And so what does he say? Genesis 45, 8. It was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all of his house, or a ruler all over the land of Egypt. And he continues to say, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive 
as they are today. So often we don't see the immediate. We see our trouble. We see our problem. And God sees the long game. He sees the end. If we remain faithful, if we truly believe that but God makes a difference in our lives. First Chronicles 28.3, we read again. But God said to me, now, this is King David. David was called a man after God's own heart. It's interesting how he went from a shepherd boy, caring for sheep, caring for those that were given to him. But as a part of that care, he learned how to fight. And he fought off the bear, the lion, anything that would attack his sheep. And he became good at it. Good enough that he could stand at the front of the line of the army of Israel and not even quiver a bit when he was faced with a giant. But then he had this desire to build God a physical dwelling place, the temple they called it, the tabernacle. It would represent God's presence among the people in the times of the Old Testament. And God said, no, it's not for you. You've got blood on your hands. This will be for your son. Sometimes we're in the midst of, of plans, and we think they're great. And if we're listening to God, if we're hearing what God is saying, he may say, hang on. That's not the plan that I have for you. And if we're sensitive, we allow to hear God say, no, I have something different. We continue, still in Chronicles, but Second Chronicles. This is what the Lord says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Jehaziel was standing in front of all of the people of Israel. For just across the valley was the entire fighting nation of Moab and of Ammon. And they were about to kick Israel, but good. And Jehaziel stands before them. Now these people are shaking and quaking. They're about to turn and run. And he goes, no, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Sometimes we just seem so totally overwhelmed by our circumstances. We can't see our way out. We can't see any hope. Let the words of Jehaziel remind you that the Lord is doing battle for us on so many fronts. Second Samuel 14, 14. Now a little bit later in life, David and his son Absalom 
their relationship is broken. It is not good. They haven't spoke to each other for a long time. There's great animosity. And yet, a good friend of David's reminds him. But God devises ways to bring us back when we are separated from him. Don't you just love a God that devises ways? I love that phrase. Think of it. God is devising ways that will benefit you, that will help you. And specifically here, if we trust, if we are faithful to God, he is devising ways to restore our relationships with one another and with him. Now, unfortunately, David and Absalom didn't adhere to God's ways. And there's some more nasty stuff that happened within the family there yet. But I love that. Just knowing that God is devising ways to restore us. See, that's a God I want to believe in. That's a God I want to be faithful to. That's a God that I will come to when I'm on my knees. That's a good God. Romans 5, 8, but God. See, all through the Old Testament, what we call all through the New Testament, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. We were hopeless. We couldn't do anything to merit God's favor. Are you kidding? The most holy, powerful, awesome God of the universe? No. But we were floundering around in our mistakes. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Now that's a God that I'm going to hold on to. But then Acts 13.30, he says, but God raised Jesus from the dead. And it's like, ha, take that, Satan. You thought he was done? You thought three days was enough to hold Jesus in the grave? Not even close. Not even close. And he raises Jesus from the dead. And then this is where things get truly awesome. But in the midst of the awesome, we need to be aware of the problem. See, living a good life is not the way to Jesus or to God. But Jesus is the way to a good life. It's completely different. We cannot work our way by being good into God's favor. But Jesus gives us the good life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, that's good news. I think there's a reason why getting gifts is so awesome. It feels so good. Because it's part of that joy of giving and receiving. 
It was a joyful thing for God to give up his son. How can that be? The death of your only son? Be humiliated? To be brutalized? To die? Because he saw beyond the grave. And God sees beyond this moment in our life. And that's where we trust, and that's where we hope, and that's where we're faithful. Because, in 1 Corinthians we read, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Isn't that great to know? But God will not allow. And if God says he won't allow anything, he won't allow it. But do we believe it? Do we live in it? Do we claim that for our lives? And we stumble and we fall and we forget that God... allows us not to have to step into that, and yet he is there to receive us when we do. There's another really cool thing about God. And we're winding up here. 1 Corinthians 3.6, we're told. Paul said, he goes, we've been working together really hard for telling people of Jesus and building the church and seeing lives transformed and changed. People who hated God are now demonstrating that they love him. They want to live for him. Paul says, I planted, Apollos his buddy watered. But God, what? God gave the growth in the life of the people and in the life of the church. We are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. Sometimes I know you can feel and wonder, oh, you know, am I just all alone on this? Am I the only one that's, that's concerned about this, that, that, that's working so hard here in this area? No, what you're doing is a part of something so much bigger. Look beyond the borders of yourself and see how God is using your faithfulness to change his world. And sometimes it doesn't seem like it's changing fast enough or enough. But God is causing the growth as you are faithful, as we are faithful. What else do we find from God? Corinthians, the second book, but God encourages those who are discouraged, comforts the downcast. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I know you have. I have too. He encourages those. And sometimes it's in the form of a changed circumstance. Sometimes it's the form that encouragement comes in the form of a friend. Or maybe even a stranger. I was contemplating going outside again yesterday for like the tenth time to shovel the driveway And I was just about to go out there, and a neighbor comes by with a quad and a blade on it. And he plowed my driveway. Boy, that was encouraging to me. 
See, when Paul is here, he's incredibly, he says, if you look at the context here, he says they're facing conflict from every direction. Do you ever feel that the step you're trying to take forward, you're getting beat up from all sides? Battles on the outside. And then he says, fear on the inside. Really? Am I supposed to be doing this? Is making a difference? I'm, I'm kind of scared to say this or to do this in front of these people. And do you know how God encourages Paul? He sends Titus. This is the encouragement that Paul received. How often did God send somebody, their words, their comfort, their telephone call, their text, or maybe just a, what we think is an unplanned meeting in the grocery store at the end of the driveway. God's behind all that. And he encourages us when we are discouraged, comforts the downcast. And in Psalms and in Timothy, from the old and from the new, we discover that my health may fail, my spirit may go weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. Isn't that incredible? That deep down inside, when I feel weak, and then we know that, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone. As much as the world denies it or rails against it, God's truth will stand. And that's why we have a solid footing in your life, in the church. There is nothing that will destroy the solid foundation stone of the work of Jesus Christ. Nothing. As much as you think the odds are against you and your faith, it will stand forever. See, God is bigger than our problems. He will always have the last word. Do you believe in a big God? Really, anything last? is a waste of your time and an insult to God. In every crisis, in every conflict, in every disappointment, in every trial, in every fear, in every loss, God is waiting to do what he does best. And because of God's faithfulness, we too can live in faithfulness. Joshua said, he said, you guys, you decide to do what you want to do with your lives. You're in charge of your family and your own life. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. You have a choice. We have a choice. But you can make that choice based on God's demonstrated faithfulness to you. And based on his record with the people that he created of this world. The but God statements that I listed here are just a fraction of what we find. God is consistent in showing up 
on time when we need him? And are we faithful enough to show up for God at the same time? Daniel 6.10 is an interesting one. But Daniel prayed just as he always did. The city is Babylon. The new despot king is Darius the Mede. And he says, no longer can you go to church and pray to whatever God you pray to. From now on, you're praying to me. And everybody said, okay. Except for Daniel. But Daniel prayed just as he always did. Regardless of the opposition, he stood firm in his commitment to God. What did Daniel get for his faithfulness? He just about became a lion's lunch. It was after that that says, but Daniel prayed as he always did. He demonstrated his faithfulness to God. Come on, God, give me a break. He's honoring you. Got thrown in the dental lines anyways for defying the despot's order. Darius the Mede, who are you that we should pray to you? But God met him in that pit. He showed up just on time to demonstrate to Daniel his faithfulness. See, As I said before, God's timing is not always our timing, but he is faithful. And then the final verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Love this one. Again, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, by grace you have been saved. It doesn't matter what you have done or even what you're about to do. God's mercy is all-encompassing. Mike Weaver from Big Daddy Weave puts it this way. But God, rich in mercy, came to save me, now I'm alive. But God, strong and mighty, reached down for me so I could rise. Isn't that incredible? This life that I get, it's not that I have to live this way, I get to live this way because of God throughout the history of this world demonstrated his power, his compassion, his grace. And it didn't end there. It did not end with this. It continues to live in you, in us. 
No, that's a life worth living for. That's a life I pray we all sign up for. So how will your story read? I pray that will be one of faithfulness. As you encourage and challenge one another in your lives with God. As we do that together as believers. Our God, we thank you for this day. God, could the sunrise have been any prettier this morning? The sun on the snow, glistening white. Who else could do that? Thank you that in all that you do, that all you have done, that all you will continue to do, you have our best interest at heart. God, you have demonstrated yourself to be faithful time and time and time again. God, we read about it in Scripture. God, I pray we can see it in our own lives where you have showed up just on time. God, it may not be our time. There may be difficult, trying days. But God, as we are faithful, you continue to demonstrate your faithfulness in so many ways. God, may we be excited about life because you are excited about us. Continue with us, Father, as you guide and direct us. We follow the best we can. But God, may our very best efforts be superseded by the work of your Spirit within us. Continue with us, we pray. Thank you for your blessing upon us. May it continue in our faithfulness. Amen. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. Uh, thank you, Doug, for your words. That was, that was really encouraging, and um, really, I'm sure we're all taking them to heart today. 
And um, we're actually going to have um, Chad as our executive vice chair and Brad, if you could come up here and we'll just have um, Doug and Jenny come up for uh, a word of prayer and blessing. And um, we just want to, you know, give them our best wishes. Thanks, Michelle. Doug and Jenny. Yeah. So, but God has definitely been a theme in my life, and sometimes I forget all those but gods, but a reminder of that is just, uh, it's a real blessing this morning. It's been, yeah, a lot of that. Um, so my name, if, if you don't know, my name is Chad Riggins. I'm a member of the leadership team here at Cedar Valley. Um, and I have a few words for, for Doug and Jenny I'd like to share, albeit a little more personal. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Doug and Jenny are my um, aunt and uncle. Uh, they're family. But they're much, much more than family to me. A youth pastor who gave me stability during a very unstable time in my life. Fostering a love for the Word of God and teaching me that loving God always results in serving others. As a sidebar, Doug, can you still recite James from memory? Parts of it. Yeah. Leading me way out of my comfort zone down to Guatemala, where I could challenge my faith. Being greatly dismayed by the physical poverty that was seen, that was witnessed, yet by hearing strengthened by the songs and the prayers of the believers we met down there. My wife, Laura, and I dated a long, long, long time. And with that came innumerable opportunities um, to grow in our relationship with the mentoring of Doug and Jenny. What a blessing that is. Being, being fed practically and spiritually, resulting in a, to this day, successful marriage. You two have set the bar really high, and it's evident to me that it's worth all the strife, effort. Your love for the family unit, my family, for young couples and for children, my children, your desire that God's love would be clearly seen in our families has been such a blessing to me, and I know that others would say the same. Doug, you've laid a foundation for me, from child now to parent. And Jenny, you've put melodies in my heart beautifully sung. And I hope both of you can be satisfied with the fruit of your labors here. A builder requires an instrument or a tool which is used for a time to accomplish a specific task and then laid down as the builder decides. And sometimes an instrument is chosen to participate in the creation of new tools. Those for tasks yet unfathomed by the tool in hand, tasks known only to the builder. I see many new tools here, ones that bear the marks of the tool that made it, and all of them mighty in the hands of the builder to accomplish 
his works. Grace and peace to you, Doug and Jenny, from our Lord and Savior, the great builder, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Abram, John, and you. I got, I got a few things to say, too. Uh, if, you get, if you don't know me, uh, I'm Brad. I used to be on the leadership team here, so Doug and I worked together uh, for many years in that capacity. Now we're, we're just good friends, so I, so I do some, have some words, too. Chad already talked about uh, some of the, the great youth times. I met Doug and Jenny when I was in just going into grade eight, 1997, and they had just come. They had just moved from Saskatchewan, and uh, so I think I was one of the first youth there, and we had a lot of fun times together. Like Chad said, trips to Guatemala, um, you know, corn mazes, bike trips to on the West Coast Express to the seawall. Uh, I was down here plowing snow the other day, and Doug and I were talking and watching the kids go down the hill, and so Doug, remember that time we screwed those old skis to the bottom of furniture and youth and raced down the hill? And, like, we had such a great time uh, in, in youth with, uh, with these two. And, um, yeah, young adults, retreats, creative FaceTime events. If you've ever been to an event that Doug and Jenny have, have put together, um, it's well thought out. It's, it's creative. You, you guys remember the, the painting? The Bob Ross painting? Like, there's just so many, uh, you know, who thinks of these things? Um, there's a, they, you guys have a real gift for uh, thoughtful creativity when it comes to presenting something. Our, our relationship has grown and changed since, since the days of youth, for sure. Doug and I meet regularly. Uh, with the purpose of encouragement and accountability, mostly in our Bible readings for about four years now, I think, uh, with the odd, the odd break here and there. <clears throat> Last year with, with COVID and stuff, it's mostly been uh, breakfast at Doug's place. So it's been great. I get well fed once a week and um, Jen, Jenny makes a pretty mean waffle berry sauce and Doug knows how to throw down on a skillet, uh, and it's, it's been great. Um, it's difficult to name all the ways that someone has helped shape your character. I think we often subconsciously identify the attractive things that draw us to someone, and we begin to become more that way uh, the, the more that time is spent together. So it's no mistake that God has clearly designed us for relationship, to be people of relationships. Um, Doug's taught me a lot of things. A uh, big one is how to encourage when I saw challenge, to accept grace when I felt failure, to consider all perspectives when opinions were different. And he helped me discover the excitement and newness of God's words through reading Bible. So thanks for that. 
And I use the term newness because uh, in, our, in our meetings together, we'd often talk about how things that we, we read, we read the same passage year after year, the New Testament, the Christmas story, whatever it is, uh, things that we've, we've read for years, and yet through different lenses of life's context and understanding, there's new discovery every time you really think about something in a different way. And that renews us in many ways. The Bible makes reference to the concept of renewal many times. Mercies are new every morning. It's fresh, right? We're transformed by the renewal of our minds. And this implies a change. Even God's design in the way our pre-wired circadian rhythms tell us to go to sleep and wake up to a new day. Newness is a gift. So my prayer for, for both of you is that of thankfulness. Thankfulness for the fruits of your service here, of which there are many. And thankfulness for a renewal of purpose for, for Cedar Valley and for, for you guys. God's not done with you yet. So thank you. Love you guys. Okay, we're just going to have a time of prayer over Doug and Jenny. So um, I'll start and then hand it off to you guys. And um, just a reminder that there's uh, cards at the back if you want to leave them a word of encouragement. And everyone is invited to stay for um, some treats and some tea after. We picked tea because we know you guys love tea. So, um, so I'll start with a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, it's just hard to put into words how much we appreciate everything that Doug and Jenny have done over so many years, and, and not even just here at Cedar Valley, Lord, but um, other churches where they have ministered and other organizations they've been involved with, and um, they've just poured their lives into serving you, Lord, and we just thank you that... You do have a new adventure for them and that your timing is always perfect. And we just pray that you would continue to guide and to bless and to encourage them, Lord, and to get them focused on what the next step is. You never show us the entire journey. You always show us step by step. And this is where we put your, our faith in you, Lord God. So we just thank you that... This is just one more example for us to follow and look up to, and we just pray extra blessings upon Doug and Jenny and their entire families, Lord, um, their kids and their grandkids and their grandkids-to-be. We just pray your continued blessing of the generations on them as well. And we just thank you again for the gift that they have been to us, Lord God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending these servants our way, that uh, you've given them strength and purpose to lead this church, to um, foster relationships with each other and with you, to remind us of the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, and his, his sacrifice for us, the love that you've shown us through that. I just pray that uh, that you'd send your spirit upon this congregation, upon Doug and Jenny, that you would lead us, you would guide us, we'd be receptive to your will. 
uh, we would we would praise your name forevermore. Lord God, we just thank you for Doug and Jenny and the family today. And I just want to pray, especially God, for um, the blessing of newness that you give us um, every day. God, as good as any given day could be, it's it's good sometimes for that day to end and for us to wake up fresh anew a new day from you. God, I just pray that blessing for Doug and Jenny and, uh, and the excitement that that brings, uh, a revealing of a new purpose, and the freedom that's within that. God, I pray for um, that newness for Cedar Valley too. God, that we would just be, be patient and wise to listen to you and bold, too, to step out and act. And God, too, for Doug and Jenny, for boldness, whatever that new chapter looks like, that they would just be fired up and act for you in boldness and courage. And God, thank you for them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Jenny says, I always like to have the last word, but in our lives, we'll leave that up to God. But we do want to say that it has been such a privilege to serve here. Um, it has been a great honor, and I think, as I said last week, almost always a great joy. Working in partnership with you, whether it was youth or kids or music or anything else that we did here, um, we were so encouraged as you stepped up and just gave of yourself to the church and to God. Um, what a blessing that is to have a church that people who are so committed uh, to God and show that through um, working together side by side in the church. Uh, it's been tremendous. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, we're not sure what our next steps are. We are trusting in God's faithfulness with great hope and anticipation. And um, we imagine that will be revealed to us over the next while. We're not sure how long that will take. We do want to tell you that please support wholeheartedly your leadership team, Pastor Grant, um, as you move forward as a church and work together and support them um, as they lead you forward. We will miss you. For most of you, um, we won't see you on Sunday, midweek. Um, but whenever we do see you or meet with you, um, we anticipate staying in mission at, at least for the next future. We don't know. Um, we would love to see um, your, your face and, and talk with you. And, um, so that will continue as it happens. Um, but we will miss you, the church, and you as individuals. You mean so much to us. Um, so thank you again as we move forward in God's grace and in his glory um, for each one of us. Uh, blessings to you.